Hello and welcome to the Who's He podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this edition of the show, we're going to be talking about, well, I, I think everyone regards it as a bit of a classic. Let's see if we think it's, it's a classic as well. It's The Brain of Morbius, uh, starring Tom Baker and Liz Sladen. And it's going to be one of our uh, TV to book uh, comparison style chats. So uh, that's coming up a little bit later. Um, but first, this very hot and sweltering evening in London. Uh, let's let's do the latest Doctor Who news, shall we? Um, now, news that broke uh, sort of like last week, actually, as, as we recalled, is that uh, Bonnie Langford is returning to Doctor Who as Mel Bush. Um, surprise, Paul? Yes, in a way. I Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, I suppose it's, it's not an unusual step for him to bring back a previous companion is it so out of the blue so yeah well i think what what caught me by surprise really was the fact that when when i first saw this pop up i thought oh it's another 60th anniversary casting announcement but no she's going to be starring with shooty gatwa um yeah and as russell t davis says you know it's not a cameo she's there in the thick of the action um now he does mention in his in his typical uh, sort of RTD style. And I read his quote here. He says, uh, Open those TARDIS doors wide because Bonnie's back. What an honour, delight, and hoot to welcome back the character of Melanie after too long away. And this isn't just a cameo. Bonnie is right in the thick of the action, battling monsters and, the, uh, and chaos and cliffhangers right at the Doctor's side, just like the old days. So, now I know this is sort of like a bit of sort of hyperbole from <laughs> RTD, but. It's said to say cliffhangers. Now, does that mean she's back for more than one story, or what do you reckon? Can, can, can we read anything into that statement, or is it just no RT, RTD so. wetting our appetites? <laughs> yes. Well, if you're going to have a cliffhanger, that would mean at least you're going to have at least a two-part story, wouldn't it? Hmm. Which, well, we don't know what we're getting, really, do we? No. Apart from the fact that he's shooting get was in a different costume in each time we've seen him um, being yeah. filmed at the moment. Um, and there has been some photos out of Bonnie Langford on set with shooting get in another outfit. I'm not going to tell you what he's wearing. If you want to find it, it's it's out there. So, um, but no, I, I think I, I think it's it's good actually because I think she was. Oh, we all know she was poorly. I, well, I thought she was poorly served on the on the TV. Yeah, a um, character's given. Much better development with Big Finish, uh, yeah. so I think that's uh, certainly what we've listened to anyway. Um, starring Bonnie Langford, so yeah, I yeah I think I think it's a it's a it's a nice little thing to happen actually. And I, I say what surprised me most it's not it's not for the 60th anniversary unless she's going to be reintroduced in that and then pop up again in Shooty Gatwa's first series. But who knows? Who cares really? She she's back. Thing yeah. I, I think she's one of the most um, what do you say undervalued companions yeah i think so i'd say so yeah yeah about of all of them that sort of from that period certainly i think she was sort of undervalued but oh no it's good it's good it's all good stuff really so uh i'm just excited to see what uh what happens now some other casting news as we recalled uh today which is the 15th of june um now an actor called lenny rush um has been cast in doctor as the character of morris now I don't think about Lenny Rush, um, apart from the fact that he won a BAFTA this year, 
Well, he was in something called Am I Being Unreasonable when he won the BAFTA for Best Male Performance in a Comedy Programme. Right. Mm. So I, I don't know anything about him at all. Um, no. all. All I can say is he is a an actor of... Um, how can I put this? He's, an, he's, he's, he's got dwarfism, hasn't he? So I, I can't really yes. think of any other um, way to, to put it, really. So, um, yeah, now, what... When I sort of read, read first, he's playing the, the role of Morris. Now, you know, we, as we all know, we're getting the Star Beast um, as one of the uh, specials this year, which is based on one of the Doctor Who Marvel uh, comics. Uh, you know, Beep the Meep and all that. Now, Morris was a character from the Iron Legion, which was another Marvel Doctor Who comic strip. Well, one I can, I can remember reading. I think it was the first one I actually read. Um, but Morris was a sort of like a cyborg gladiator. Now, this is just pure coincidence. Or is RTD going to be a, in some way adapting the Iron Legion? Hmm, don't, don't know. know. Now, I'm probably reading all sorts of wrong things into this. Yeah, I, I, re- I really. Oh, oh, knowing RTD is actually just called the character that just to get people. people thinking yeah, it's people that, like me. Not yeah. gonna be, <laughs> and it's not going to be. You know, then you can tell me, I never said it was going to be that character. I know, I know. I mean, yeah. My, I don't know why it, people it just, are getting... I, I know, you're why people are getting all up, up, you know, uptight about this. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it could be just be a, a, a piece of diverse casting um, to sort of flip that character on its head, as, as it were. I, I really don't know. But hey, it's good that we're getting these sort of like these bits of casting news coming out rather than like this wall yeah. of... Wall of Silence, and I thought, it, I mean, Artie, he knows how to play the game. We said this before, he knows how to play the game. He, yeah. he just keeps drip for the information, keeps the interest up all the time. Um, yeah. So, no, good. I mean, it, it could, this could be the Iron Legion, it could be, I don't know, so completely different. He could, okay. <laughs> it just Morris is a rather unusual name, isn't it? For for a a, a young a youngster, but he's, he's a young actor as well. Yeah. So it's it's a very very old fashioned name, Morris. Mm. Actually, a strange name for a cyborg well, gladiator although, as well. Actually, so. I was going to say, although you don't know from which era this story the story is going to be. What are things? How many more? And the way it's spelled <laughs> as well. It's not like the uh, I keep thinking Robert Powell here by Maurice now in the, in the detectives. Yeah. Um, but this is spelled exactly the same. It's M O R R I S, which is exactly the way it's spelled in the Iron Legion. So this is why I'm putting right. two together and coming up with five. Ah, oh, well, it's it's whetted my appetite anyway. So it'll be it'll be good to. I just can't wait to see what happens now. Really can't wait to see what happens. But, uh, yes. Um, I think the other thing as well. I think um, wasn't Shooty Gatwer on the front cover of was it Vanity Fair or was it Vanity Fair or Vogue British Vogue? I don't know what it was. One of them, wasn't it? Yeah, and they was talking about it, um, Doctor Who on there. So. I, I stopped my subscription a couple of years ago. <laughs> yes, yeah, so for those of you who've seen the front cover, he's nude, sitting on a um, on like, like a like a, a plastic blow up cushion. Um, I think someone's already mentioned it's it's the, it's the new Auton invasion. So remember when he the, <laughs> the guy got hit by the plastic the black plastic chair? It looks a little bit like that. So um, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, it's going. So it's all. I know because he's got. He's in other things as well. He's got the last series of Sex Education to come out. He's in the Barbie film as well. Um, 
So he's, it's, I think it's, it's going to be sort of like, this is going to be like the, the year of Shooty Gatwick. And also the year of David Tennant. He doesn't appear to be um, short of roles at the moment either, does he? So no, He never has been, though. No, it, no, certainly not. But um, I know he tried his luck in, in America, though. I know we've gone off on a tangent now. He tried his luck in America, which didn't really work out for him. Um, but no, he's, he's, he's back in Blighty and he's doing all right, isn't he? Really? Yeah. It's... Um, which is good to good to see because most Who actors disappear after that. The only ones I can think of have actually sort of remained on on, on television to a certain. A David Tennant. That one's been Paul McGann, I think. Really. Mm. Oh no, Peter Davison's got. A... Oh yeah, I always forget about Peter Davison. Yeah, but he's more into <laughs> he's more into his steam engines at the moment, isn't he? So... Yeah, he is now. But yeah, I mean, he had, did, um... he had quite a few series after. What was it? Um... Was it a very peculiar practice? Very peculiar practice. Campion. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, was that like another... The Last f- Detective. Oh, God, yeah, that was with Sean Hughes, wasn't it? Yeah. Campion was with... Um... Oh, how can I forget his name? Um... <laughs> Plays the school teacher in Kez. Oh, Brian Glover. Brian Glover. Brian Glover, I think, was he supposed to be his butler in that. Oh, right. He was okay. a gentleman detective. Set sometime round about between the wars, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I take it all back. Then there's quite a few doctorates have gone on to other things after leaving the right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. I caught, caught a bit of the episodes of episode of the Persuaders with Patrick Troughton the other day. <laughs> well, he, he was always a character actor, though Patrick Troughton before. Cause he, yeah. he, he had something to sort of fall back on. He, he I don't think he was ever. We never really had a lead role in anything prior to that, prior to Doctor Who, did he? He wasn't a, a like, leading man. He was always uh, popped up, as you're saying, things like that. Yeah. And what was that comedy series he was in when he, before he, he was in before he, just before he died? Was that with Nicholas Lindhurst? Oh, yeah, I know. It was an ITV yeah. comedy, wasn't it? And I, oh, the name escapes yeah. me at the moment, but. Yeah, I can't think. No, because I know he, he played a character. Was, was it meant he wanted to be. Nicholas Inter's grandfather or yeah, something so. like that. And yeah. And he passed away after doing like one one or two series and then I think was it Tenial Evans took over, who's also been Doctor Who's in um oh they, uh, what was it? Oh we did it recently. I've forgotten the bloody thing now. Carnival Monsters, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. I think that was the one. But uh, anyway, anyway, enough of this rambling. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, we've, now we've digressed. Yes, yeah, far too that much, part. far too much, actually. Um, let's get out of it quickly, Paul, and go to Omega's Tat Corner. You pester me with trinkets! Right, now you brought this particular piece of tat to my attention, Paul, and... Um, yeah, because I, I thought it was a very reasonable <laughs> Well, um, this is something that's probably familiar to... to a lot of Who fans, actually. It's a Doctor Who pinball machine. And it's one of those ones that was knocking around in the 80s that had uh, sort of featured Sylvester McCoy uh, quite prominently on there. Um, now, one is going for sale, up for sale on uh, a website called homeleisuredirect.com, which I've never heard of before. How did you come across this, Paul? What, what bargains were you searching for when you found this? <laughs> I, I, a Doctor I, Who pinball machine? On the, <laughs> always on the lookout for Doctor Who bargains, <laughs> me. I know. <laughs> oh, you know, just the sort of thing when I've when I've got six grand laying around, I sort of always tend to find myself saying, "What can I buy for that?" <laughs> yes, this is um, this 
comes priced at 5,497 of lovely British pounds. But it has got free delivery, though. It has got yeah. free delivery, yes. Um, that does sound that no coin mechanism. So obviously they stripped that out. So you, you don't have to put like ten p's in a word. It was was it, what, what the coin. Yeah, got, 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 got to find your <laughs> your old ten p's <laughs> or fifties. I don't know. Probably. probably. I don't know what it would have been back in the eighties. Actually, what what would have been an acceptable? Uh, I think I think this might have been late eighties, nineties. So I thought it would have been at least fifty p. Cool, dear. That's a bit but, strong. I thought, I thought ten p actually. Well, you're probably no, right, no, no. but. You've, you, you've just not played pinball machines much, have no, you? No, <laughs> I haven't. I must admit, I, I, I was on the... Um, I was I, What was that bloody thing? It was the, with the uh, Afterburner. That was my favourite one, actually, in the arcade. Oh, yeah, right. It was like playing Afterburner. But, uh, or the Star Wars game with, you know, on the, uh, the trench run thing, the wire map thing. That was always, uh, that yeah. was always a good one. Um, yeah, that, that's a lot of money, though, isn't it? I know it's a collector's item, but bloody hell. Yeah, I yeah I've got no idea. I mean, I suspect they were actually the free deliveries, but an installation is worth one hundred and fifty pounds normally. By the way, I will just let you know. So huge savings. Now, on now, this. now, what what do they mean by installation? Now, do, um, now does suspect... that mean they're going to bring it into your house? But if it always going to have it is a three pin plug. I think I'm capable of doing that actually. <laughs> yeah, they may have to level it. Ah, yeah. Now that's a good point. Because otherwise, if it's not completely level, obviously it won't work properly. Hmm. Oh, default. So there may be you have, you can adjust the feet or put a beer mat, come along, <laughs> put a beer mat under one leg. Now you now you're talking. Now <laughs> you're talking. <laughs> a couple of which tends to see the installations I've seen of some have been that sort of way. <laughs> oh dear. Or one of those folded up cups that they used to put the coins in when you're playing one of those <laughs> those tipping point games. <laughs> yes. Oh dear, oh dear. Does it come with, free with a dirty old man standing next to you in the arcade? <laughs> I can be round there whenever you like. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. I've only said that in in the description. Comes free with dirty old man. Supplies own Mac. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, sorry. I don't. I don't think is that something that happens in amusement arcades. Now you've got far too many people looking and watching what's going on. But certainly when um, we were in amusement arcades, well, there was always some strange, strange man hanging around. Um, as well, Tony found out one day, didn't he? <laughs> yes. We told him, come on, Tony, get out there quickly. He was, I mean, he was completely oblivious to it. Oh, dear. Mm. For those of you who can remember who Tony was, by the way, that's that's one for our long-term <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yes. Oh, Christ. Right, OK, that's it for Tack Corner, and that is it for the news for another, uh, for another month. So, uh, coming up next, we're going to be talking about the brain of Morbius. So, for another time then, that was the news. Right, everybody, we're now going to talk about the brain of Morbius. Chop Suey, the Galactic Emperor. You will be the first to die. Brain getting a little overheated, is it? Careful, not as strong as it was. My brain functions perfectly. I doubt it, Morbius. 
All that time in the tank, it's gone soft. Do you dare put it to the test? What test? We have all the apparatus here. I challenge you to a mind-bending contest. I am a Time Lord of the first rank! What are you? Oh, nothing, nothing. A mere nobody, but I don't think you're in the first rank anymore. Very well, Doctor. If that is how you want to die, I accept your challenge. There's a sporting gentleman. What's mind-bending? Time Lord wrestling. It's usually a game, but it can end in deathlock. It will, Doctor. I, Morbius, do not play games! Neither do I. Are you ready? On guard, Morbius. And this story was broadcast between uh, the 3rd and the 24th of January 1976, and the novelisation, written by Terence Dix, uh, was released in 1977. Um, and it's my turn to sort of kick off proceedings this time, isn't it? Um, yes. Yeah, I think this is probably about as good as Doctor Who gets, really, isn't it? Yes, yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely brilliant um it's certainly the one that sticks out for me from when i was a kid it's one of the ones that's that remained in my in my memory um yeah well yeah basically when i watched this as a as a i mean not in, i mean that early 1976 i was still five then and so as a five-year-old you know all these years later i can still clearly remember watching it and i just think because it's so well put together even though they've got the the, the the restrictions of working on on a on a like a studio set, um, would make you wonder how how much better it would have looked if they had managed to film this on location at night yeah. or something. At, now, le- at yeah. least, yeah, at le- just the outside. They could have just found found a quarry somewhere just to yeah. <laughs> film the yeah the outside shots where they're scrambling over rocks and whatever at night would have been would have taken this to I think a. The, the just increase the level of it. Another level, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just think it's. I think every, I mean, everybody is absolutely fantastic in this. There's not a. There's not a duff performance. Bernie body in this no. one. Um, and I think that's. It's down to the script, um, which is also written by Terence Dix, and that's that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because this isn't, isn't what. Terence Dix wanted, so he had his name changed on the title. He just said, "Oh, I've got my name on it, so that yes, I'll just come up with something bland." So Robert yeah. Holmes is cut with Robin Bland. <laughs> so it really sort of took him at his word there. Um, now I understand that Terence Dix version, it wasn't anything with a mad scientist and his um, and his assistant. It was more of like a um, like a, a robot trying to sort of put together um, Morbius out of. Yeah. Crash ships and, and or body parts from crash ships and everything. So, um, and as I understand it at the time, I thought, well, they couldn't really realise the robot, and and so they come up. So, and really in keeping with that gothic horror um, theme that they or feel they had to the stories in those days, it it makes perfect sense to do it this way. I think do it as a Frankenstein homage, right, rather than, yeah. than a robot, oh, and it, yeah. it made sense because there's no way, that, there's yeah. no way they could have done that. Really, was there as something looking. That it could, apart from having a, like a man in a suit or something, it wouldn't have come across that yeah. well, would it? No, well, well, they ended up with a man in a suit, really. Well, they did, they? But, but I mean, at least it's a monster. It, it was easier to realise. Yeah, than... exactly. Well, the thing is, though, if they, they would have had to done the robot and the man in the suit, the monster in the suit. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I think this is probably this is probably for the, well, for the best, really. And it really does 
you know, and there's I just, there's nothing wrong with it at all. I just can't, I just can't find mm. much fault in it whatsoever. I mean, we've already done a commentary for this one, haven't we? Um, yes, sort of some years ago now. If anyone can remember that, um, if anyone can remember Tony, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I think we we had a lot of fun with it at the time. But I think we we made a few sort of like I remember we made a few sensible remarks during that um, about how there's like little details in it, like when you finally see the brain of Morbius and you've got that contraction set with like vocal cords that yeah. vibrated, and it's just little things like that that just sort of it, it it's everything there is there for a reason. It's all there for a purpose. There's nothing superfluous to this at all. You know, and which I I find utterly brilliant, really, because I know Evan sort of takes the the Mickey out of Doctor Who of that age with its creaky sets and sometimes sort of unconvincing monsters. Yes, okay, we'll get onto the monster later. It certainly stays in the memory, you, though. But the only, only, only thing on that one is Philip Maddock did have a bit of a question as to seem to not quite sure as to where when he's talking to Morbius to which bit of Morbius he's supposed to be acting. To. <laughs> It's the only thing I'd say on that. Because sometimes he's talking to the the jar, and sometimes he's talking to the vocal cords. And <laughs> yeah, because that that seemed to be, I, I reckon he was. That's where he was told to talk to. Because I think there was. Because sometimes the camera would focus on the brain flashing as Morbus was talking, yeah. and sometimes it will go to the vocal cords, which are vibrating. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's probably more I'm, more I'm, of a, like I'm, a stage not, direction. Well, I'm I'm not sure that he was getting it in the right order then, but, no. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's it's, it's difficult to, to when you've got certain various everything's well, they're moving the the brain's flashing. At which which bit are you really supposed to be talking to? I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah precisely. Um, I mean, even sort of like I mean, going on to the touch on the book for for a moment. I mean, the opening scene obviously is the. Um, the mutant actually, or there was this insect thing, which is a, a reused costume from the mutants. That was a, a, you know, it's a John Pertwee story. And in the book, it, it it clarifies that it is it is the same species. It's from that planet, doesn't it? Yeah. So, um, which I thought, okay, he didn't have to say that, but I thought we they've reused the costume. Everyone's seen it, and at the time, I suppose a year later, um, when the book was released, I suppose it must have been fairly fresh in people's minds, especially sort of like, you know, Doctor Who fans who obsess over every little detail, um, they would have known, oh, that's a reused uh, costume. Yeah. From a couple of years before. So, yeah, I, I suppose really it, it makes a bit of sense to actually to actually mention that. And it also gives me a bit of a backstory as well. Yeah. Because I think in, in, the, um, in the televised version, he just sort of crawls around for a bit and then, well, Kondo kills him and that's it. Yes. Really. Um but in this one, you, you're made to feel a little bit more for the, um, for, for or Chris as he's known actually, um, yeah. this uh, this mutant. So yeah, I, I think yeah, I think it's. But again, it's just another thing that Terence Dix does really, and I'm surprised. Do you know what? That's one thing that surprised me. He wanted his name taken off of the, uh, the televised version, but then he goes and adapts it for the book. That that was that was what to look at this was the interesting thing for me because I was actually going to see how much he varied from the television version you know did he mm. did he then start you know thinking well actually if i if i had written it had they had they had got me to come back and rewrite my original story yeah in this with this theme this is how i would have done it mm. 
but he does stick pretty much as as Terence Dix does really with his uh, novelizations. Sticks fairly closely to the yeah. I mean, all he's done is give yeah. All he's done is sort of given a bit more sort of motivation for certain characters and a bit more sort of internal monologues and things yeah. like that, just to sort of flesh out the characters, um, which I I. I find brilliant. I, I've, always, I've always loved his work on on the novelisations. It's him and Malcolm Hulk are my sort of two favourite authors of the Doctor Who range. So um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Actually, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, I mean, what about sort of like the the, the Sisu the Khan? Because I, I think in the book they come across slightly less ridiculous. Yes, I mean to a certain extent. A, you're not caught by the visuals really are you? you you you're conjuring up them yourself so you're not the well it's quite his the description sort of, of yeah his description of them in the, in the book is quite simple they're just wearing black cloaks yeah um whereas as we know in the televised version they've got like the, the flamestone makeup and they're with the, with the hands all the time when they speak to anybody and ahika's staring at everybody she speaks yeah. to really and, and and the point where they're going to kill the doctor and they're dancing around with a flame and you just sort of think this is this is what top of the pops would have come up with with pan's people if the crazy world of arthur brown couldn't do that week <laughs> i'd watch that paul <laughs> yeah i would watch but the hell out of that, that. <laughs> yeah. oh god paul there's been loads of people out there. who the hell are pan's people <laughs> Google it. No, I'll be up at the crazy world of Arthur Browns. <laughs> hey, Paul, that's the kind of music that kids seem to like. <laughs> oh God, I think the other thing as well, because I mean, the, the the weapons that the Sisterhood use in the book, they're just like tridents, aren't they? But in the, in the on yeah. the TV, everything's flame themed, isn't it? So the their knives yes. or daggers are like like flames, like wooden flames on sticks. Uh, and they don't look mm. very threatening at all, really. You might threatening, get, no. No, you might get a splinter no. off them, and that's about it. Yeah. But, um, oh, yeah. I, I, I don't think, actually, yeah, they'd be better off just setting fire to them, actually, and using yeah, them that yeah. way, wouldn't they? Yeah, precisely, precisely. So, I mean, I, I, I was going to say, I think that was the only sort of, like, one of the very few criticisms I could lay at the door of this story is the, the, the way the sisters are portrayed. And it's nothing to do with the any of the actors that are cast in the roles. I think it's what what's required of them. I think is they give it their best shot, don't they? Let's let's be let's be honest. Um, well, wasn't it the fact that they actually could only afford one dancer? Mm. So she had to choreograph, obviously. yeah, everything. Didn't the, yeah, the others then were cheaper to yeah to employ as the the BBC pool, but being cheap. And this is it. the problem with this. I mean, the, the whole thing about you can understand why they had to change the story because they didn't have the budget because you can see the budget restraints as it is yes yes so yeah certainly certainly it's uh now i think the also another thing as well i mean i think philip maddock in this and i've always liked philip maddock i think it's one of the things you said when we did the commentary he's absolutely fantastic um and he doesn't he doesn't overdo the mad scientist stick does he no not He's just on the right not, side not, of it. Yeah, it's not like yeah, so. I like, think, yeah, I, th- I think. I'm trying to think. Of the, I think. I think he takes mm. his lead from 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 the writing rather than trying to. If if he's over the top, it's it's where the writing's are, yeah. over the top rather than 
his actual performance. Yeah, because I, I think the book version of Solon is a bit more hysterical. Because there's a bit where he, where he pleads for the Doctor said with the sisterhood, or, or with Marin in particular. And he's sort of like, and in, in the way that Terence Dix writes that particular scene, it's almost like Solon's sort of like practically crying. You know, please yeah. let me have his head. He, he's getting really manic about it. Um, now, Philip Maddock does get a little bit manic in that in that scene, but it's not. It's still not. It's still not over the. T- it's not OTT in the way he no. does it. Well, it's it, it's not as big a scene, is it? No, it's in not. TV. No, which obviously may be for timing wise as well. Mm, could be. Could be. Uh, but yeah, no, I think he. Uh, yeah, you get more of the obviously the relationship between Kondo and. Solon as well in the book. Oh yeah, and and particularly the the after scene of that where he he offers Kondo to the sisterhood instead of the Doctor. Yeah, and then when they get back, that's a bit more in the book than it is in the TV. It all get all happens quite quickly in the te- that all happens quite quickly in the TV as well, isn't it? And suddenly they're back on to dealing with the Doctor and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I think in the the book version, it's a little bit more when he sort of confronts Solon after he after he offered him up to the sisterhood. What Kondo does in the book is a little bit more violent, isn't it, than yes. what you see on the TV? Because basically, the hook is round his. It's almost piercing Solon's neck, isn't it? Yeah, really, rather than sort of like pinning him down to the to the or pin him to the chair or whatever it was. It, it's he's ready to he's ready to kill him. Um, yeah, and it's a. Uh, a sword that he has really in the book, isn't it? As opposed to this for rather ornate looking <laughs> dagger um, that yeah. they found in the props cupboard at the, at the BBC. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, what do you think to the character of, of Kondo? It, it sort of plays the archetype of the sort of like the sort of Frankenstein's sort of hunchback assistant, doesn't it? Without, in yes. this case, he's got a hooked hand instead. Yeah, I mean, he's, he is just, yeah, the, the lumbering assistant, mainly in the TV. In the book, it's less. It's it, in the book, it's less creepy. His uh, attraction to Sarah Jane. Yeah, I think it's it's very dodgy in the TV. <laughs> what, what what his actual intentions are. That's yeah. I mean, it, it's. I know it's a phrase people throw about, but that that is very very much of its time, isn't it? You you had you know yes. you, you had the. Like the, a, well, a, no, but the but the but the book is is, is of that time. But oh, the book it is. But it's, it's, it's it. less creepy. But yeah, I think with the, with the tele, I think it was <laughs> it almost. It actually handles the fact that he just cares for her. Yeah, exactly. I think you know when it comes to television, though, There's it was nothing... almost expected. Though, was you you had like an attractive yeah. woman on the television, so everyone's going to be. I mean, like they did with, with Nicola Bryant. Basically, every bad guy was basically pouring over her. Um, and yeah. I know Liz Slane would never let that happen, but I mean, it does a little bit in this one. But I know. Um, Kondo is, is of sort of low intelligence, isn't he? So he's very simple yeah. in his actions. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. It, I think it was, it was just expected, really. Um, but as you say, yeah. it, there's more motivation behind why he does it in the book, why he behaves like that. Yeah. 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 It's like he didn't want, you know, he doesn't want, basically want Solon to kill her. Really, that was that was one of the. Well, yeah. yeah he's he's and particularly by that point, he's realised he's gone through the whole. Solon offering him to the sister, mm. you know, he, he's just realised at that stage that he's completely, he's as dispensable as as she yeah. is. So he's now almost looking at her as a kindred spirit mm. rather than because even um, when Sarah Jane 
realize or is, is told that Kondo's dead, while she was sort of glad he wasn't around to sort of you know sort of pester her, she also felt a little sort of sorry, sort of sad he was gone as well. Yeah, and even she said it was sort of like a bit of an ally that had that had gone. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's weird to see her think of it that way in the book as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, I I I think it's it's right now. What about Kondo's death? But this and Morbus's brain falling on the floor attracted the wrath of Mary Whitehouse, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I can sort of understand, and the fact, the bit that they say about is the fact of the the spurt of blood from the shot. Yeah. I can say that that's probably over the top in a program going out at ten past five or five forty mm. on a Saturday night, perhaps. Yeah, this was sort of like Blake getting shot, wasn't it? In Blake Seven, it yeah. was that level of. But but even Blake Seven, at least, was a bit on later. Later, yeah. yeah. By that stage, I think it was almost nine o'clock. But it's yeah. By the time, time that would have finished, yeah, you're, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you can sort of say, well, fair enough. That was that was a later. Period, but this really is Saturday night sitting down having your tea. Yeah, telly. The thing is that I can I can remember that when I was a kid, and it I I know Mary White was saying, "Oh, that remains in the in the minds of children." Now I don't know what it was, what it was like at your school, Paul, but everyone used to watch Doctor Who, and we all spoke about it on Monday morning. You know, it wasn't it didn't become it wasn't until I got older. That had become like a dirty word, and nobody talks about Doctor Who anymore. It's when you're a kid, you used to play it in the playground, or we certainly did, you know, um, when I was that age. Um, and it didn't, it didn't stay in my mind in, in that way. It's certainly memorable, but it didn't sort of like have me cowering and sort of sitting in the corner shivering, going, "Oh, the horror." Um, I, th- I think I think her attitudes did kids a bit of a disservice, actually. Yeah, but but you haven't been afraid to shoot people since then. <laughs> oh dear, I've missed you, Paul. Point three oh three missed. Point blank range. <laughs> yeah. No, it's no. I, I, I just I, I don't. I, I, I mean that I can ask that. I mean the brain was, I think, such a ridiculous thing. Yes, really, wasn't it? But it actually. You didn't necessarily feel that, and also the noise it makes when it hits the floor from the the, the, the BBC yeah. <laughs> library of sound effects, um, yes. as well, which I've probably heard in the Goon Show at some point. Um, that sort of dates back to nineteen fifties. So, um, yeah, and all the th- he talks about all oh, the damage you've caused. He picks up with his bare hands, doesn't? Yes. <laughs> there's no there's no surgical gloves or anything. All the these germs, condo germs that he's. <laughs> That he's just laid laid his fingers on the onto onto Morbus's brain there, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I just think I, I'm not I'm not one for people who appoint themselves as moral guardians. Basically, I think no. people can make their own bloody minds up. Really. Yeah. Um, so talking of the brain, because yes. I read the book first and then watched the TV hmm. again afterwards, and it's only watching the TV again. I then thought to myself, oh, I must go back and check that on the book, and I haven't. It was just the fact that. When he's talking to Morbius, and they tell it says that he's he's a time lord, and that's the first point where he says he's a yeah. time lord. And they said, "Oh, why why have you let him go?" He asks because you can't. He talks about damaging the brain. Solon talks about damaging the brain, which is irrelevant, actually, to this, isn't it? Because it's actual the out the head casing that he wants, and fair enough, the the actual nerves and that that go to the brain you don't want to damage, but the brain itself. 
the Doctor's brain itself is, is irrelevant. irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bit of a... Uh, sort of think, was that? Yeah. Why would he... And I can't work out whether that was just what was said as it went on, and they didn't... Uh, and I meant to then go back. So I didn't think I picked it up when I read the book. So I wanted to... I meant to go back and actually look at that scene, read that bit in the book to see whether he actually says the head rather than mm. the brain at that stage. Yeah. You know, whether it's just actually they've got brain in there. Philip Maddox got brain in his head at that... Yeah, brain in his head at that time. <laughs> I would hope but, so. You know, <laughs> yeah. And says brain when he means head. Yeah. Oh, he could be. He could just be a bit of a... Um, a bit of a, 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 a fluff. Could be. You never mm. know. But... Uh, no, I, I... I I mean, we're, we're on to the Morbius monster now, aren't we? Um, yes. Doesn't change the description of the book at all no. uh, he keeps it I think I think it's quite a, it's certainly a striking design I mean so when you first see it sits up headless at the end it was the end of episode one isn't it when it it sits yeah. up yeah, I I don't mind it actually yeah it looks like foam rubber it, it, it looks exactly what it's made you know what it's made out of but yeah wearing a pair of hairy trousers yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no I, I as a design I like it it's meant and then it, it's sort of what Solon has done there's a method to the madness, isn't there? Because it's he's made basically made a, a superior, a superior body. Which when Morbius is sane enough to realise where he is once he's been put into the brain case on, on the second attempt, um, yeah, he's got absolutely no issue with the body he's in at all, has he? Um, yes and no. He does get the the, the Doctor and Sarah Jane's um, jibes at it about. But as far as he's concerned, he's stronger. He's got those lungs that can filter out all the yeah. dangerous gases. As far as he's concerned, he's he's been built, you know, to outlive or many situations. Yeah. Although you're still sort of thinking that surely in the whole of that point, it would have just been easier to have just swapped the Doctor's brain for Morbius's brain and kept the whole body, Doctor's whole body, and give him a Time Lord's body. At that point. Well, this I think this is where probably it needed to pad that or, or explain that, not pad it, out, explain it yeah. a bit better. Maybe this is what Morbius wanted. Um, yeah, well, you know, was this this patchwork body? Um, but then I suppose but but, do, I would say he was but, going but, for the Frankenstein but, but, homage, wasn't it? So you had to have a monster yeah. in it, a patchwork monster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but there's yeah, because there's points in it where they're sort of saying, oh, you know, he's got all these, but. You do get the feel. It does. They don't really explain it that well as to what the different areas are, mm. why the different bits of bodies are. You do just get the feeling that it's just basically whatever lands. Well, I, I th- he nicks the bit, the best bit. Yeah, of. I think there is a, a degree of that, isn't there? But um, well, you think about it. You think of all. You see that that shot of all the, the like the, the ship graveyards, and there's been a great many ships have crashed thanks thanks to the Sisterhood. Um, and it doesn't look like Solon's been particularly choosy in the body parts, doesn't he? Because it seems mm. to be the torso and the legs are all, it, well, as far as I can make out, off of one creature. You've got Kondo's arm and whatever the claws come from. Hmm. I, Never quite sure why a claw is the, is the ideal. <laughs> I, I don't know, really. Yeah, I don't know why that's ideal, really. No, no. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> I just say, I mean, the thing is, though, that design stays with you. With the thing with the, you know, the the, the brain casing, and everything, um, you certainly remember it for for good or ill. Um, 
Oh, yeah, it's, it's a memorable... You know, you, you can show one photo of that, probably of any part of that body, and you'll know which story Yeah, exactly, from. exactly. Um, now, I, th- I think like, Tom Baker's brilliant in this. Liz, Liz Sladen, I think, is fantastic in this one. Um, I like her blind acting as well. I, th- I think that's yeah. really well... Um, well, that she really sells that, that she's lost her sight, I feel. Yeah. Um, and fair, fair play. She does mention what she did to prepare for the role in um, in her autobiography. And I wish I'd sort of read that bit before we started recording because she did sort of try and do it a bit of sort of try and do it justice. And I think she does actually. She she re- I think she really does do it really really well. Um, sort of like and it's it's sort of not the I got staring into into thin air kind of thing. She's always sort of looking up all the time, sort of as, as she's sort of trying to feel yeah. her way around. And it's nothing. And again, there's no histrionics at all, even that the Doctor, when she starts to feel sorry for us, the Doctor sort of takes the mickey out of her, um, which is very yeah. fourth Doctor and Sarah, isn't it? That that relationship. Yeah. But I think she's she's great. Um, now, I think the one thing that I think is explained, or his, his motivation is explained better in the book than it is on the TV, is when the Doctor gasses Solon to death. Yeah. Because in the televised version they, they just sort of do it don't they he has the idea and they just do it but in the book it's he's sort of well he hasn't got any choice yeah because if he succeeds then millions are going to die because of because of morbius and he's got he's got to it's his only way of stopping them um which i th- and, and there's a lot more on the the how we know it works well if we're still here in a month's time it's it's worked yeah, basically yeah. so i think that's um that that certainly comes across better because I think I, I mean yeah it's so out of character for the doctor just to outright okay yeah the doctor has outright killed people but this is maybe not maybe not quite such a um that kind of put, in it, that way it, really to gas someone and and sort of it's yeah it it's done it's not done in the moment it's actually has to be planned yeah is the difference I yeah. think. You know, the, in other times, it's the doctor usually had a split second to make a decision. This was, yeah, he knew full well what he was planning yeah, to he, do. Yeah, he knew exactly what he was making and what, and what it would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. right. Absolutely right. Yeah, so I think, I think people... I think I probably have more of a problem with that than I do with brains on the floor and, you know, Frankenstein's... Uh, Dr. Frankenstein's assistant's getting shot. You know, I, I, I've got more of a problem yeah. with... With that, really, but at the end of the day, I mean, people say, "Oh, the doctor doesn't kill." I know people got knickers in a twist with him, um, killing off David Bradley's character in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. But um, now, this is this is another example. Yeah. Now he's done that plenty of times before and been rather callous yeah. about it as well. Yeah, um, but I think it. They do try and. I mean, actually, probably yeah. The that what you just said there is probably the the closest we've had to this, isn't it? Yeah. Of the the actual. Calculated, mm. yeah, definitely. Knowing definitely. full well what the what was going to happen. It just sort of it was almost as if like, oh, because he's not actually standing there at the time when the person dies, it's not quite so bad. I don't know what that seems to be the yeah, I don't know the get out of it, which obviously no, it's not. It's be. not really. It's, uh, yeah. Um, what about Michael Spice as Morbius? I know it's only a voice. A voice role for. I know he appears later in Doctor Who as uh, Magnus Grill in the Towns of Wen Chiang. We, we, he's definitely well and truly over the top in that one. Um, another one we did a commentary for um, fans. Uh, so if you want to go back and listen to that one as well, um, I think he's 
his voice really works in this, doesn't it? He's got that rasping. Yeah. I know they treat the voice as well, but it's that the panic that he has. It's that megalomaniac panic that he that he he puts across. Yeah. And yeah, and and the fact that there is a case that yeah, he's he's actually has gone mad. Yeah. Um, there's, there's. It's not a case of if I'm here any longer, I go mad. No, you've, you've gone, gone, mate. Yeah, precisely, precisely. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I really like his voice work in this. I think he's. Um, I think he's really good. I mean, I like Colin Fayer's condo as well. Um, for that matter. Um, I think before we come to the other bit involving Morbius and Michael Spice. Um, what about Cynthia Grenville and Gilly Brown as Marin and, and Ahika? They're the only two. Sort of sister, sister Khan that actually sort of speak, aren't they? Really? Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah. No. I think the. I'm not quite sure that there's the. You get the relationship between them. Mm. Enough. Um, and yeah, you don't sort of get the. You also don't get the fact about as much about the. Everything should you know, this has been we've been the same for too long. At the end. Yeah, because the book really plays at the fact that when Marin first took the elixir, she was that age, so she's always been, yeah, always been old. Which you probably sort of gather um, from the TV, but it's it's just spelt out for you in the book, isn't it? So, um, but but slight, slightly odd that there isn't anyone between her age and <laughs> I know exactly. They're all they're either because that sort of suggests that. Well, I suppose I suppose we do have the stuff that actually. People have died because because they in particularly in the book they they spell it out don't they the fact that they age not just once they stop taking the elixir they start aging yeah they basically their their age catches up with them very very quickly, quickly yeah as as what happens with Marin at the end um that the only thing yeah. I don't I don't understand is when Marin walks into the flame at the end now in the book it kind of makes a little bit more sense because the flame is described as being a lot bigger yeah. But in the the TV, they sort of open up the the, the cabinet of the flame, don't they? And yeah, it's, how did she get? How did she in get there? in there exactly? Um, I don't. I'm not, yeah, I mean that was my my thoughts on Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, so it looks like. I mean, the book is more like the wardrobe of the flame. <laughs> this yeah. is sort of the kitchen cupboard of the flame, isn't it? On, on the telly. Um, no, it's yeah. That's only bit that's sort of like okay. How did that? And why did she go young then die? I, I don't really, I don't really understand that bit, but. Um, I mean, I can sort of perhaps, yeah, if she actually stands into the flame, then perhaps it shows her, it, you know, whatever. Because that, that's, yeah. that's just the flame, isn't it? That it's the, what they drink as a byproduct from the flame reacting with the minerals in the rocks, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, actually, the flame in itself should do anything. Yeah. Oh, although although <laughs> the, the, flame, the flame must have some. In, in benefit in itself, because otherwise, when she puts the weed stuff, powdered weed stuff, into it for ceremonies to make it grow higher, so people don't realise it's dying. Yeah. If it was just a flame, then that would have the same effect, mm. and you'd just say, "Well, just yeah, you could just actually start putting your your sticks in there and setting fire <laughs> to them, and that would that yeah. would give you the same." If it was just the rocks that was. Oh, they actually saw that actually flame the ice. Lo- they actually the ice lollies they had. <laughs> <laughs> flame shaped ice lollies. Um, yeah, I, I, oh, you, you could. Yeah, you could discuss that for to the cows. Come out of the merits of the flame, really, couldn't you? But talking 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 of the sticks and whatever. Yeah. 
I did laugh and wonder whether Terence Dick's use of a word to describe sticks. Terence Dick sticks. Was, <laughs> yes. Was 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 done on purpose. Because he in the in the book he calls them faggots. Oh yeah, he does, doesn't he? And you sort of think, and you sort of think, well, when I see that, I'm thinking brains <laughs> faggots. I just about to say that. <laughs> so, and you wonder and, and, whether and that who is, did and who if, did the voice for brains faggots ever? Don't know. Wrestled on. on himself, Timothy Dalton. Oh, it, right. It's it, it's yeah. it's all there. It all, it all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> Yes, we've gone from one leader of the Time Lords to another. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, I just, I just think to myself: Did was that actually? I don't think I, I can't believe that's a coincidence. I think that's Terence Dix thinking: Oh, I've got to use that description of of a wood bundle. Yeah. In a story that's called Brain. Brain. I don't know how long Brain's faggots have been going going for. Actually, I, I don't know. I remember it's Timothy Dalton did the did the voice for the adverts, or I can remember. But uh, I suspect they've been going. I must be going for donkey for years. A, yeah, yeah. Must because, have yeah. brains faggots. It's the way he said it as well. So oh, there's no one going to eat that. It's the way you say brains. <laughs> it's like a zombie. Zombies are brains. Um, yeah. Now the thing at the end. Oh, you can still get them. Can you still get them? <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell. I've never had them, actually. I must go and try them now, actually. Now, the other thing as well. Now, obviously, we've now had it all confirmed via um, the Timeless Children that the the other faces we see when they're having their mind battle at the end um, are previous incarnations of the Doctor. Now, I'd always, before we saw that and before reading this as well, because it's the first time I've read this particular novelisation, I'd always assumed that, well, how can you say that they're all previous incarnations of the Doctor? Surely some of them could have been... Sure, they. I was assumed they were previous incarnations of Morbius. Or interspersed. Yeah. So that's why he he basically brain fries at the, at the end and staggers off and falls off a cliff edge. Um, but in the book, it's explained a bit more what this mind battle does, and it takes you back to your birth... And then yes. you die, basically. So, and what the book puts across way before the Timeless Children did, um, as, as a matter of fact, is it said, yeah, all these previous faces were all the Doctor. Morbius was winning. Um, but it just short-circuited. Yeah, it was the, the mental strain. Because it was yeah. such a... And that's what the Doctor was counting on. Um, yeah. That doesn't really come across at all in the TV version. Not, not to my mind, anyway. No, I must admit, when I was younger and I saw it, I, th- I thought... They was mainly obvious. Yeah, I never once thought they were other kind of incarnation of the Doctor ever. It's only until I read this that it says yes, it was. Um, and then the Timeless Children. I don't know whether it, they picked up on the novelisation or just picked up from what they what they believe was correct from the from the tele, uh, TV version. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I, to me, it would have made more sense to have, have some of them to be Morbius. Yeah, I mean, I, I suspect in the book it was just to show you just how had Solon been able to get him into a proper head mm. rather than the brain case. Yes. How invincible he would have been. Yes, yeah, right. And it actually and it actually wasn't the fact that the Doctor could fight him. 
in that on a on a level field. It was the fact that the Doctor was only was was losing heavily mm. until the brain case overloaded. Yeah, because that that certainly um, as that certainly explained better in in the book. You you know exactly what the Doctor's doing. You and you know. You know he's really putting his life on 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 the line because what way he explains what yeah. what the, the the duel does and what it can result in, um, yeah. yeah. So it, it certainly um, the, the 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 peril and the threat is certainly played upon a bit more. I felt in in the novelization, um, yeah. And the other thing that's changed in the novelization, which again I didn't think made any sense in the TV, is when the TARDIS dematerializes at the end. In the book, it just dematerializes. But on the TV, it disappears in a puff of smoke, doesn't it? Yeah. For no real reason. <laughs> no. Unless he could chuck one of the fireworks at it, I don't know. But um, well, I think that was definitely perhaps that was the the fault that he was actually dis- the TARDIS was disappearing and he set and he set the fire a firework off. Could have done as he went. But yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's, yeah why? Wasn't. Yeah, precisely. But no. No, I just think it's just such a, 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 a quite a, a serious, serious story. It's not really playful. The only time it's sort of playful laughs, I think, is when um, the Doctor's with the Sisterhood. Yeah, when he's particularly when he's first captured. Yeah, he's been very sort of flippant with them, isn't he? Um, yeah, and they sort of say about you know your your death has been agreed, and it's not. Like, I didn't agree. When I wasn't even yeah, told yeah. you. But, uh, actually, they have the little line I liked as well. Um, when Solomon first sees the Doctor and Sarah, and he's, he, co- he compliments the Doctor on his on his head, and he says, "Oh, the, the, the you know the last one was it was uh, grey hair." And so I, I rather I was rather fond of it, and and I just like Sarah goes where well, I liked it, and yeah. it's the way. It's- oh yeah, yeah. Well, some some people I used to have a grey one, which some people liked. Yeah, wasn't it? And yeah, yeah, Sarah I goes, it. yeah, I yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just like that little. Little sort of play in, in sort of interplay between them. I I really like that. Um, yeah, I think it's probably why the sort of they I mean it's so obvious they got on well out you know, off camera as well. Tom Baker and yeah. Sladen. So and it, it really comes across that they are really are. You, you can imagine Sarah Jane being the Doctor's best friend. Yeah, actually the the pair of them really really make that work. <clears throat> um, so I think all in all. Because I know, I know you, you were worried about talking about this one because you think it's so good, there's not much you can say about it. We managed to stretch it out, Paul. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I just I just think it's an absolute classic. And if if you're new to Doctor Who and haven't really watched any of the, of, of the sort of like the, what's termed as the classic stuff, uh, I'd say go and watch this. I've got a VHS I can sell you. Well, do you know what? I was, I was looking through some of the, the things that, and, the, and apparently the first VHS was truncated. To, to to down to about an hour. Yeah, no, that's what I've got. Is that what you've got? Yeah. Bloody hell! So what's? Can you remember what's cut from it? I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. No, I've, I've when was the last time you popped that in the, in the player, mate? <laughs> uh, yeah, that 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 would that would be some the uh, yeah that that probably be I probably got the stuff off of UK Gold after that. <laughs> Gold and Bennett. I don't wonder why. Well, I'd just love to know what they cut out of that. Actually, yeah, that that would be that'd be really interesting to find out. You have to dig it out now, Paul. We're gonna have to. You're gonna have to watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I've got to dig out the video player as well. <laughs> That's more the problem. I can probably lay my hands on the VHS quicker than I can <laughs> than the player. Yeah. Oh yeah. dear. 
Oh well. So anything else to add, Paul? Because I think we've 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 covered all bases really, haven't we, on this one? Yeah, I think. Yeah, so. I think so as well. I think so as well. Yeah, good, 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 good. Um, oh, just just one last thing to to add. Yes, go. On. Herbert Hill Brain, a butcher from Bristol, made family meals since nineteen twenty. Ah, there we are. Thank you very much. <laughs> Just, just so people don't. What is it? Her- Herbert Hill so. Morbius. A bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm just, I'm just sad now. There wasn't a range of of corn based snacks called Terence Dick Sticks. <laughs> oh, I was a kid. <laughs> don't eat more of Terence Dick Sticks. You spoil your tea. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Right, that's it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to copyright that name. <laughs> oh God! Oh well, let's let's wrap this up. So um... <laughs> you can now just imagine too if you don't want advertising, are you? <laughs> In that the way he said, brains, faggots, Terence Dick sticks. <laughs> oh God. This is a, a rabbit hole I didn't want to go down, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh God! Right, okay. Um, so when we come back, are, are we? We're back on Big Finish again, aren't we? Yes. When we return uh, next month, I'm not sure what that's going to be at the moment, um, but it will be a a um, a Big Finish review. Uh, what, what come what may. Um, but in between, then um, I've got. A, um, I'm going to be joined by a special guest from. Uh, another podcast, uh, which I shall announce um, during the next week, actually. So, uh, so I'll keep on your toes on that one. We have a special guest coming on the podcast, but we will be talking about the God Complex. Um, that's their uh, their episode of choice. So there we are. Right. So um, until next time, then it's goodbye from me, Phil, and goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. You can download this podcast from iTunes, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, and through your podcatcher of choice. If you would care to leave us some feedback on iTunes, that would be very much appreciated. You can also find us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast, on the Who's He Podcast Facebook group, and through our website, who's hyphen he hyphen podcast.co.uk.